episode of Intellectually Petty Radio, brought to you by M3S3 Clothing, Men Make Moves and Suckers Stand Still, and as always, on the mighty, mighty, mighty Nerf DJs Radio Network, and y'all already know what I'm about to say, man, we only rock with legends over here, and today is absolutely no exception. We have one of the bravest individuals to ever walk the galaxy, and might maybe a little crazy for intentionally walking into burning buildings and houses saving babies saving cats the whole nine man give a big round of applause for detroit fire chief jimmy harris what's going on bro how you doing hey what up though man how you feeling today what up though man i'm feeling good man how's life how's your family man life's good family's good man just uh trying to maintain out here in these cold streets Oh man, yo, you got the hottest job in America though. Absolutely, you should be good. but yes, but once that fire goes out, it's cold again. Yo, what is it like? Like entering a burning building, like 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 from from the time you get the call to the time you actually inside the house and it's burning. What's that like? That's a great question. I like how you worded that. Most people don't ask about the initial call. So from the time you get that initial call, you around the firehouse and you might be studying, you might be working out, you might be playing video games, you might be cooking, you might be talking to your family, anything, FaceTiming with your family. And that alert goes off, man, and you just go from zero to a thousand real quick, man. Your adrenaline's going. You're not thinking about nothing but the run, whether it's an accident call and maybe a truck, a tanker rolled over or a burning house going throughout. When I say going throughout, I mean, it's flames from the basement to the attic and your heart is pumping. And once they tell you it's people trapped, then you take it to another level. You want 2000. So you just got tunnel vision. You're thinking about getting on the back of that fire truck and you're thinking about getting their safety and you're thinking about the game plan, especially if you know that street, you know, the house construction. If you've been over there before, you're like, okay, this is a two story house. It's Mm -hmm. in the back bedroom. We got to get up these stairs quick. We got to put this fire out quick. They got a baby upstairs. We got to get to this baby. We got to get through that smoke and get to this rescue. So it, it, you don't have time to think. You don't have time to worry. You don't have time to get scared. You got tunnel vision, and, and, and you on the go. You on the block. Next thing you know, you in the house. Next thing you know, you got that baby. You coming out. Do me one favor. Put your phone down for me. Just lay it up against something. Because, like, I remember uh, we was at the, uh, what was that, the Cambria? The, the, the mixer, the mixer joint, and we got yeah. to talking about it a little bit, and yeah. I could see the energy coming off of you when we started talking about firefighting. Has it always been that way for you? Like, did you just know from day one I want to fight fires? I did. It, it, it's kind of weird. Um, I come from a family of law enforcement, and uh, my granddad was a cop. My dad was a cop. A lot of people know that. 
And it's just always been in me to be a firefighter. Of course, I wanted to go to the league at first. wanted to go to the NFL. But right around high school, I realized that wasn't where I was going. So uh, I put my focus and my energy into toward being a firefighter, a professional firefighter. So what's the process? Uh, you got to be 18. Uh, no felonies. Uh, no and, drugs. And let me, let me stop you right there. Why no felonies? They want You, you want people's crib, man. I mean, your But crib. their crib already burning. Yeah, but you still got stuff laying around. You got your valuables because I'm my, our our thing is we telling you to get out. Don't try to save your valuables, your money, your jewels, your PlayStation Five. Get out. <laughs> so you don't want me in your crib, and I'm I'm a two time felon. All I do is breaking houses and steal. You don't want me in your house. <laughs> okay, I could get the thieving part, like you know. But if you in there for a bar fight, I don't, you know. I, I just you think you still that want so- good character people. You want okay. people that can think. You want okay, people I got that you. Stay calm under pressure because you got to remember this is somebody's worst day of their life. I'm coming to your house. Your house on fire. You might be calling me a bunch of names. Hey, get your ass in here. Put this fire out. I can't take it to your. I can't take my energy there and be like, what? What are you talking to? And bam. So no, you need good character people because okay. the people trust us. Okay, my bad for interrupting. Go ahead. No, no, it's all good. Okay, so we was going through the process of what it takes to be a fireman. Yep. Uh, uh, no drugs in your system, of course. Uh, even though weed is legal in a lot of places, even in Detroit, Michigan, you can't have it in your system being a firefighter. And they got different reasons. We driving these big fire trucks, million-dollar fire trucks, and they don't want you behind the wheel if you blow. You know what I mean? I understand um, that. Yep. Like I said, valid driver's license. And that's it, a GED or a high school diploma. We're going to train you on everything else. We're going to train you how to be uh, EMT, anything, firefighting, climbing ladders, rescue, you name it. We're going to train you up on it. How do you decide who drives the fire truck? You go to class. It's, it's a long course. Um, but, like, we're trained to do everything because it's the next person up, next man up. So if I go down, the person behind me needs to know how to drive this truck. So we learned every aspect of firefighting, from driving to supervision to climbing a ladder to putting out the fire to uh, extrication. Extrication is another word for us cutting you out of a car. You see those cars mangled up and smashed up? Yeah. You bring the jaws of life to uh, get you out of that car, get you out of that accident. So you've actually done that before? Absolutely. I've done it all. Seen it all. What's the worst accident you've seen? It's real weird because a lot of times you pull up on a scene mm-hmm. and you might see a truck and it's just got a dent. But then you look in, that person is mangled or that person is deceased. But then I, I never forget it was an accident on Wyoming and, and Schoolcraft. We pull up on the scene, it's a hot summer night. So it's like a thousand people outside. I think it was a club or a cabaret hall right there. So those people outside, I swear to God, the roof of one car was flipped over on top of another car and the roof was touching the other roof. It was like the tires were in the air still spinning. I don't know how this car flipped on top of another car. Nobody injured. Nobody had to go to the hospital, but this car was literally roof to roof. One car was on top of the other one. So we've seen some crazy stuff. I also saw a car go in the basement. Uh, uh, That person didn't make it, but... uh, the car ran off the road and went in the basement of a house, and the house kind of came down on the car a little bit. So we've seen some real peculiar accidents. 
So when you see like a like when I was in high school, a guy got into a car accident, split the whole car in half, and he went through the uh, windshield and was de- decapitated. Mm-hmm. There had to be some fireman that arrived on that scene and saw this. Yes. How do y'all deal with the trauma that y'all see? Well, shout out to our boss, my big boss, Commissioner Sims. He's got a real robust uh, mental wellness, uh, mental health uh, counseling uh, program in place for us. Because like I said, we see it all. We yeah. see some of the worst of the worst of the worst. And, and you, like I tell all the young firefighters coming on, don't take this stuff home with you. First of all, unless you live in a house and your wife is a firefighter and your kids are firefighters, they'll never understand what you go through. So to come home and explain to them, they'll never get it. They just gonna be like, oh, too bad. Oh, that's, you know, oh, I hate to hear that and keep it moving. So try to leave work at work and leave home at home. But you gotta have an outlet too and a positive outlet. Maybe mm-hmm. you're a reader. Maybe you like to read books. Maybe you like to do yoga. Maybe you like to work out. That's what I do. I go to the gym and I leave it all in that gym. When I leave out the gym, my whole worst night and day, whatever I just saw, I try to leave it at the gym. But you got to have an outlet. Whether you do poetry, you do something. You got to have something you do outside firefighting, outside of family, some kind of outlet. Man, I've been a nurse for over thirty years, and and and, and the reason I say that is because like people people tell you that all the time. Leave leave it at work, um, and that's just it sounds good on the surface, but a little bit you know with each encounter that's a tragedy, it steals a little bit of you. And there's nothing that nobody can do about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I I, I agree with you to to a certain degree, but I, I, and it's tough, and it, and it takes a lot of practice, and it takes a lot of praying, um, and it takes a lot of faith, and you have to be strong willed and strong inside. But but you can't bring it home because you got to remember this. Another thing we always tell the young firefighters or a rookie firefighter: mm-hmm. you can't win them all. Yeah. You just like it in sports. You're not going to win every game. Just like boxing. I was talking about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd lost, I want to say, he lost the fight as an amateur. So everybody's lost something. So sometimes when we get that 911 call, first of all, you call 911, it goes to dispatch. Dispatch calls us, and they get to the closest fire station, the closest EMS ambulance to this incident. Sometimes by the time we get the call, it's already too late. That person may have been deceased already. That house may have been burning for 30 minutes because the neighbors didn't see it burning until it was too late. So don't beat yourself up when you get on the scene and you couldn't save a person. Mm-hmm. You couldn't put this fire out. Or you couldn't get that person out that car accident in time. Don't beat yourself up because you can't win them all. That's got to be the worst feeling to pull up and know somebody's in there and y'all can't go in there. It is. Yeah, one, one of my toughest experiences ever is... Um, Pulling up on the scene, it was off Dexter. Dexter, uh, might have been Dexter and Joy Road years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could hear the people screaming. They had bars on the house. Mm. You could hear them screaming. And then when we pulled up, because it was summertime, we had our windows down. So we pulled up, you could hear them screaming, and then the scream stopped. And, and that stuck with me. So I'd be lying if I say some of them didn't, don't stick with me, but I'll never forget that. That was Damn. a tough pill to swallow. Damn. So how long have you been a fireman? It'll be 27 years in September. How do you move up the ranks? Like, what do you have to do? Is it a test or, you know, is you got to win enough awards or? <laughs> a combination of everything. Um, but but first and foremost, God. 
You know, um, man, I'm just a big Detroiter, diehard Detroiter. If I got a billion dollars tomorrow, I ain't gonna lie, I might get a a, a, a townhouse or a mansion somewhere <laughs> in LA, somewhere up in the hills. I might get a spot in Hawaii or something, but I'm a true blue Detroiter, born and raised on the west side, man. I, I love my city. I love everybody in my city, uh, from the wealthiest person, from Dan Gilbert on down to the person at the gas station trying to get it Lucy. Um, I, I just love Detroit. So uh, I, I started off, and uh, my, my, my dream was always to be a fire chief. As a matter of fact, I got two years old in a, in a fire chief's car that my uh, grandfather bought me. So I've always wanted to be a fire chief. So, man, I'm, I'm, you got to take a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got seniority. Uh, you got to know what you're doing. You got to want it. And, and you just got to be smart. A little bit of luck and a whole lot of prayer. So um, that's what it takes to move up the ranks. So how are you like the end all guy outside, right below the, the commissioner? Or no, no, are there like a couple, a couple chiefs? So I'm the community chief. I'm over everything in the community. And I'm also the public information officer. So if anything jumps off real crazy, now, let's knock on wood. Nothing crazy jumps off tonight. Uh, Lord forbid somebody gets injured. Lord forbid the Renaissance Center catches on fire or two tankers collide and it's an explosion. Then I've got to be the liaison. i got to go talk to the media. And it doesn't matter at 3 in the morning, 3 afternoon, i got to jump up and go. So, no, uh, the commissioner is the big boss. Shout out to Commissioner Chuck Sims. He answers to the mayor. Um, beautiful job, beautiful position. I don't know if I want that. That's a, That's a lot of pressure right there. But he does a magnificent job. He's a people person. He's a true blue Detroiter, too, born and raised here, uh, graduated from Pershing. And he brings us all together. He knows how to put the right people in place. But okay. um, I, I'm the people's chief. Um, I, I'm out in these streets in a good way. I, I try to connect with everybody. And it's all about keeping Detroit safe, making Detroit a safer city. I'm not going to lie, man. And I, I haven't lived in the city for a couple of decades. But never in my life have I actually met a firefighter. Until you. Word. Oh, yes. man, I got to bring you along. I got to take you on a ride and let you get in the fire truck, let you suck up some smoke, see what it's like. Yeah, I'm cool on the smoke part, but I definitely <laughs> want to ride on a truck. <laughs> and look, man, um, thank you for all you do. Uh, a nurse, that's crazy. You see the worst of the worst. You see the worst of what we see. You see the worst of what the ambulance sees. And you see the worst of what the police sees. So... Thank you for your services. Thank you for you all you all do. Oh, I appreciate that, man, because we don't hear that that often, man. And I'll definitely uh, relay that to my colleagues. Um, Everybody, man. I, and I know what it's like, man. I got burned back in 98 or something like that. Man, I left skin and flesh on these streets. So I know what it's like, man. Uh, you all have a heck of a job. Yo, that's... I couldn't do that, man. Like, were you, were you after you got burned, were you hesitant to get back Not into... At all? Not at all? Not at all. My mom at the time, my mom was like, what you gonna do? Uh, you gotta get a new career. I'm like, mom, I'm Gucci. I'm, this, one, this is for me. This is what I'm about. This is who I am. So no, I was good. Yo, and you definitely got the right the right position, man. Cause like people just, like, like was just gravitated to you. I, I You don't see that too often, man. It was, it was a beautiful thing to see. And then exactly. to see you do interviews with, with the media about certain things, it's like that's what she was built for. Thank you. No Thank doubt. You. And if I nobody any other way. If nobody else tells you today, man, I'm proud of you. Man, thank you. God bless you. I'm proud of you as well. Thank I, you. I think brothers need to tell brothers that more often. We do. 
Yeah, you know. Um, do you give tips out? Give me a couple tips. Okay, first of all, it's cold as heck outside, right? Mm-hmm. And, and cold make you desperate. I, I'll never forget, I was watching some special the other day, and a guy stole a car. He wasn't a thief. He wasn't a criminal. It was nine degrees. He walking up the block. Somebody left their car running. He had a crucial decision to make. Am I going to keep walking? Or am I going to take a chance to steal this car to get where I can go? And I hate to jump off the subject, but heat makes you when you get cold, you get desperate. Yeah. You want to warm up. So number one, make sure you got a smoke alarm in your home. That's the first step in your fire escape plan. When that smoke alarm goes off, you get low and you go. The reason you get low is because smoke goes where? It goes up. Mm-hmm. Heat rises. So you got to get low and go. Number two, you got to be smart. You can't warm your house with your oven. Please don't use your oven and try to keep the house warm. And I know we're all guilty. My mom used to do it when I was a kid. Please don't do that. Number one, you can start a fire. Number two, you can give off toxic fumes, carbon monoxide poisoning, and you can die that way too. Number three, make sure you get your furnace inspected like August before it gets cold at the latest September. Because you know how it is in the Midwest, whether you're in Detroit, Cleveland, wherever. Mm-hmm. Once it gets cold, it's too late. Get your furnace inspected. Get your, your fireplace inspected in August. So when it's cold, you can turn it on. You're ready to go. Space heaters, when I'm passionate about somebody I say, or something, I say it three times. Space heaters, space heaters, space heaters. You're going to use a space heater, keep it at least three feet away from any furniture. You got children, if you got small pets in the house, keep it away from them. Keep it away from their toys. Keep it away from window treatment, blinds, curtains, uh, blankets, things of that nature. Because space heaters, we have fires every year because of space heaters. Don't sleep with that space heater on. Before you go to sleep, turn it off. The Detroit Fire Department recommends you take it one step further and unplug that space heater. Another thing you want to know, don't get that room. I know you want the room all toasty and cozy before you go to your room. Don't turn the space heater on unless you're in that room. Once you leave the room, turn it off. Definitely once you leave the house, turn it off. Those are those are just some housekeeping rules. Yo. When you're using your candles, I know everybody go to what's the place you go to? And they got to sell like twice a year. Oh, the line wrapped around the- oh, I hate that shit. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But everybody wants that crib to smell all good, and we get that. But blow that candle out before you leave the room. It's just certain housekeeping rules, just one-on-one. And if you at the crib, you about to hook up some lemon pepper rings, and you got to go back to the store because you got to, you forgot, you don't have enough lemon pepper seasoning, turn that stove off, turn that oven off before you leave the crib. Please, please, please. Yo, I think I have violated probably about six or seven of the things you mentioned. Oh, we all have. I don't do it anymore, but we all have. This you just gotta watch it. Yo, you that's really crazy. have to watch it. What about the plastic on the windows? Good thing or a bad thing? That's the good thing. Plastic okay. is cool. You can rip the plastic off if it's a fire. Matter okay. of fact, the heat gonna burn the plastic off. Be careful with those security bars on your windows. Make sure you pick one room, one window, and take the bars off if you got security bars on your house. Because we know you're going to use them. You don't want nobody intruding. But make sure if you live in an area where you have bars on your window, pick one room, one window, and pull those bars off. And part of your family's escape plan, make sure you practice. Say, hey, we know we can get out this window. Let's, hey, let me time it. Let's see how long it takes us to get out. It took us three minutes. We got to do better than that. It should take us one minute to get out. Once we get out, we stay out. I don't give a damn what's in that house. Your prized possessions, you can replace them. But you can't replace you. 
So once you get out, you stay out. Once you stay out, you meet up. You find a mutual meeting spot outside, and you meet there. And you stay there until we come. Because we coming. How my man Coach Prime said, we coming. The Detroit Fire Department's coming. And we'll be there in minutes. We got one of the most magnificent response times in the world. And we're going to keep it that way. Yo, how the hell does 850-ish firefighters patrol a city with over 600,000 people? We get down and dirty. We passionate about it. And it's funny. I saw one of my old instructors from 20-some years ago when I was in the academy. And he's like, man, I'm proud of you. I remember when you came in the fire department, you were in the academy, you and your class. Y'all were a tough class. No matter what I gave y'all, y'all did it. I give y'all 200 push-ups. Y'all give me 220. Uh, we tell you run up the stairs. Y'all just keep running all day, all night. And that's how we're built. That's our mentality. That's how we're trained. So when that alert goes off, I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm talking to you on this podcast, I'm out. Within seconds, we out the door. We on your block. We ready to get down. So that's how we go. That's our mentality is go, 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 go. Is leave it all on the block. Is leave it all at that house. We going in, we put our life up as collateral for you. And that's how we do it. That's what we took an oath to do. You missed the engine? What? Every day. What about it? Just curious. What do you miss the most? The camaraderie. I'm, I'm a football guy. Like I said, I played football, ran track. It's nothing like that locker room. It's nothing like that firehouse. The camaraderie. We laugh together. We cry together. Yeah, we might fight. But we keep it in those four walls and it stays there. But we're going to make up because we're brothers and sisters. We're family. So it's nothing like that camaraderie. And, and, and in the firehouse, we live there. We eat there. We sleep there. We live there 24 hours at a time. So we don't go out for lunch like y'all go out. You know what I mean? Y'all going mm-hmm. to Benihana's. Y'all going to Yoshi. Y'all going to get something to eat for lunch. We don't do that. We don't do Coney. We don't do Little Caesars. We don't do Bob's Pizza. We cook in the, in the firehouse. Yeah, I don't do so Coney. Do every, what? No Coney? Never. We making Coney from scratch. Everything from scratch. You better not bring no frozen food, no canned goods in. Everything is fresh from scratch. We go shopping every day. Fresh produce, everything, every day. But it's not like that camaraderie. And like I said, we eating, we at the table all eating and joking and laughing. That alert goes off, bam. It's nothing like the beauty of seeing 12 people out the door within seconds, fully dressed, tanked up, strapped up, helmets, Axes, we ready to go. We at your front door, kicking your door in to come pull you out. It's nothing like it. The adrenaline, I, I can't describe. So when you got burned, did somebody have to save you? Yeah, and 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 thank goodness, a lot of those, mo- the majority of everybody that was on that scene is retired now. I'm one of the last ones still standing. I came on a job young. So every now and then, I'll run, I'll be at the mall or be somewhere, and I'll run into one of them old heads, and they'll crack a joke on me because my voice hit that high, crisp, breezy pitch. You know what I'm saying? When that heat hits, you be like, ah! So, man, they still blame me. They still roast me to this day when they see me, man. Um, and, and and it was a sergeant, Captain Black. He just passed away probably last summer. Him and another guy pulled me out a little small bathroom window, man. The window was this narrow. I don't even know how I squirrels out of there. But, yes, they did pull me out. That's what we do. We the DFD. Yo, that now that is crazy right there. Like, yeah. like Apple it, line is seven mile. I'll never forget it. Did that make you a better firefighter though? Like I, Hell, I can't imagine it not. Yes. yes. I was young, I was very arrogant, very cocky, 
thought I knew everything. You couldn't tell me nothing. I only had six months on the job. I was pretty much still a rookie. I was. Mm -hmm. You're a rookie until your first year is over. So I was a rookie, man. I'm plunging in, going in fast. I ain't thinking. Just let's go. I got this. I'm invincible. So that fire, getting burned, sitting in that hospital, having a chaplain come, like, pray over me, and I'm thinking I'm about to die, and they give me my last words. That experience right there just kind of gave me a whole different mindset and made me look at not only firefighting different, but life different. But, yeah, it made me kind of do a 360. Before I run in this house, let me see. Mm -hmm. Is smoke coming out the attic or is it in the basement? Is it people in there? Okay, is this house about to collapse on us? Let me think first before I do this. So, absolutely, it changed me for the better. Yes. The one person that you saved that you'll never forget. Ah. I think this lady was probably about 80 years old in the house by herself. Um, she ain't realized he had left the boiler on, left a pot on the oven to the point where it let water boiled out and everything. Man, you could smell it from a block away. You could smell that burn. You know how it is when you burn something in the kitchen. That stench mm -hmm. never goes away. Um, she was just so thankful. She started crying and um, when I pulled her out. And, and and it just touched me, man. She was that happy. It was tears of joy. And she was so thankful. And I hope she's still around. But that, that, that just touched me, man. It's nothing like saving a life. You can get paid a million dollars a year, man. But nothing is that paid. Nothing pays you back as a person saying, thank you for saving my life. It's, uh, like I'm, I'm sure you performed CPR before. Yes. There's absolutely, that's an indescribable experience that's magic it, it, the fear that you have going into it because first off not not everybody is cut out don't, i don't care how what doctor you are what nurse you are what fire not everybody is going to respond to doing cpr no that's just that's just let's get that out the way but when you do you scared as shit but it's all natural like what whoever taught you you know the chest compressions like you just go and then it becomes a little bit of ego. You're not going to die on me. Not going to die on my watch. No. And then it becomes like, like, uh, it's, it's a euphoric experience almost. It's like the whole gamut of the human experience, man. It ain't shit like it, it bro. It is nothing like it. Yo, nothing like oh, it. oh my goodness. Oh, you about to have me in a whole nother place for a second. <laughs> for a no, second. That's real talk, bro. So, so I know you've seen the, the, the fire shows on TV. What do they no. get? Never? I tried, man, but it's too, man. I can't watch it. I'm too critical. Lord forbid I'm sitting next to somebody. They looking at me like, this guy's a jerk. Like, because I'm, I'm so critical. That's fake. That's fake. We wouldn't do that. No, that ain't real. No, that's cool. So I can't watch it. I gave Chicago Fire like one or two times, and that was it. And, and I know y'all love Angela Bassett and what's the other show she in. I can't do it. I watch Chicago PD or something like that, but I can never get into the fire shows, man. I'm gonna be honest, man. Chicago Fire is kind of trash, and I hate Angela Bassett's character. I okay. just do. But what is your biggest critique that you had when you watched it? What's the fakest shit they do? The the fire scene, and I guess because because they got to do it for antics, so you can really see. But in a real fire, man, just close your eyes and do like this. That's how dark it is. You use your other senses. You use your ears, your hearing. Your, your sense of feel, your sense of smell, you feel that heat on you. So you know, oh man. So my left ear, shit, my head, my face, my skin burning. 
It must be over here to the left. So on, on in the movies and TV, everything is bright. And they like, ooh, there's the fire over here. Let's run through the fire. You can't run through no fire, man. You're gonna be burned. You're gonna be it's gonna be six people in, in black suits and t-shirts with your picture on it. So you can't run through fire. So I think that's the funniest thing I've seen. Really? So I, I thought y'all had the little lights on on, on the helmet. That, that 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 doesn't work. It, it's it's pitch black. That little light don't do nothing, bro. Especially once you hit the actual flame and put the fire out, then it's really dark. So how, like, okay, so you don't see the fire, but you're in there with a fire hose, correct? Right. How do you know which way to spray? That's funny, man. Two things we've learned, building construction. So when you're at a fire station, you know your neighborhood. You know, okay, the majority of these houses over here are bungalows, meaning you go up the stairs, the, 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 the doors on the right in the driveway, that's where the basement is. You go up them three steps, you're in the kitchen. You make a left through the kitchen. Once you go out the kitchen, you make a right down the hallway. It's a bathroom to your left, and it's two bedrooms in the back. It's a stairway right here. You go up them stairs. There's one bedroom upstairs. You know that. Okay. Just from practice, just from inspection, just from pre-fire planning. You've inspected that whole neighborhood. So it comes second nature. You pull up on the block, you already know, hey, the basement is right there because there's the driveway. There's that side door. So the fire's in the basement. Let's open this side door. Let's go down this basement. Let's put this fire off. Or it may be a neighborhood, a unique neighborhood like Sherwood Forest or Palmer Woods. Yeah. Now that's when it gets a little freaky. That's when it's a little tricky because these houses aren't cookie cutters. They not all the same. They tutors. They cut up. Some of them got a stairway in the back and a stairway in the front. These are mini mansions. So now you got to be with somebody. Two people in, two people out. You always got to have somebody with you. Gotta have your radio charged up. But in answer to your question, the lower you get, you can see a little bit. Okay. So that's why you almost gotta crawl on the floor and get low under that smoke. And you can see a little bit. But that fire will let you know where it's at. Sometimes you hear it crackling. You know the noise when you put a log on the fireplace? Mm-hmm. You hear that fire crackling and you can go like dang, that fire's over there. It's getting hotter, it's getting darker. It must be over here. So how difficult, like how, how much pressure is is the water hose? As much as you can handle. That's why you got to get in that gym. You got to get in powerhouse. Uh, shout out to my man JB over on Grand River in Southfield at powerhouse. Got to get in crunch fitness. You got to do something because you can turn that pressure up as much as you want it. It can go from 100. It can go to 200 pounds of pressure. So you got to be able to handle it. But we're such a team. You always got somebody on your back. You're never going in that fire just by yourself. You got a person back. Your, your, your boss is backing you up. Your sergeant or your lieutenant or your captain is backing you up. Then you got a senior firefighter backing you up. You got at least two, maybe three people. And it's like 21 of us going in one house fire. So you always got a crew riding with you. So who's outside? The person outside is the driver, the fire engine operator, because they had that hydrant. They're responsible for that $500,000 fire truck. And they're responsible for getting us water. They key to the whole fire. If we don't have no water... We can't do anything. So they hooked up to that hydrant outside, and then you got a battalion chief, and they like the maestro. They sitting okay. up telling us what to do. Shout out to my man, uh, Chief McLaurin, over on John Iron Seven Mile. We had a fire the other day, and um, one-year-old baby, man, over on Hollywood and Woodward. Mm-hmm. And, and and they're just the maestro. They saying, hey, go upstairs, go downstairs. We need more pressure on this water. Hey, we need more companies. We might have to call an extra fire truck in. We might have to call an extra ambulance in. So that's who's outside the fire. 
So how do you know? Like, have you been the one outside the fire before? Yeah. The maestro. It's something to see. Okay, so how do you know? We got to pull it in. We, we, it's no more we can do. Practice, um, studying. A lot of people think when you're in a fire academy, when you learn it, it's just a bunch of push-ups and weightlifting and running upstairs. It is, but it's a lot of book work. It's a lot of studying, a lot of training. And you know this building can only burn for maybe five, ten more minutes, and it's going to collapse. So the whole thing is I don't want to go talk to nobody's mom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to my wife. I don't want to talk to my kids and say, hey, I'm sorry. We did all we could. Your husband's no longer with us. Your, your daughter's no longer with us. That's the worst nightmare as any supervisor on the Detroit Fire Department. So when it comes, to, it, we, we put us first. I hate to sound selfish, but we can't rescue you if we're hurt. Or we right. just need. So if we see that house, we've been, we've been putting in work. We put a ton of water on this fire. So this house may collapse shortly. We're going to blow the horn three times and pull everybody out of there because we don't want anybody to get hurt. What's the difference between, like you said earlier, two tankers collide and that's a fire? What's the difference between fighting that fire and just a regular house fire? Awesome question. Never been asked that before. Foam. So you, you're you not going to put water on that tanker. That's fuel. So you're going to put foam, F-O-A-M. You're going to put foam on that fire as opposed to regular water. So that's, that's the difference between a tanker fire and a normal fire with wood or just a normal combustible thing. So is that a different uh, truck or every truck is equipped with that foam? Every truck is equipped with foam. Really? Yes. Because I know they teach you that shit at work where, you know, you got different fire uh, uh, fire extinguishers. Um, right. And, you know, kitchen fires, you, you fight with a different extinguisher. Electric fires is a different extinguisher. Except they got one extinguisher that can fight multiple fires. It just depends. Hella confusing. And, and thank God I've never been involved in a fire because I would not know what to do. And I've had Don't, man. Get out. Just get out. Get low and go. Don't try to figure out the fire extinguisher and which one I'm going to use. Just get out. Call 911. Get out. Well, it ain't that easy when you're at work and you got patients. You're kind of supposed to try to save them. You are to a certain degree. <laughs> but you're not, you, y'all don't have that extensive training we do. <laughs> like, hey, I'm not about to try to get nobody an IV and all that. That's your job. I ain't even you got that. I'm, I'm Gucci. Why does a fire truck show up to regular 911 calls? Like, I've had to take an ambulance before as a patient. Right. And the squad showed up, big ass fire truck outside the house. And when they came in, they were like, well, we can't actually do anything. Yeah, we can bandage you up and patch you up and get you ready for that ambulance. But a lot of times, this is the closest. So if the fire truck is only a minute away and that ambulance is four minutes away, we're going to bring the fire truck to see what we can do that, to render some kind of care for you. Okay. So that's the reason we pull up on the scene. When are you going to retire? Man, Lord willing, man, I'm still kind of young. I still got my health. Um, Lord willing, I could probably go about another 11 years, but it, it depends, man. I love what I'm doing. I wouldn't have it any other way. I swear to God. So you got a you got a, a a a shot and no no this is respectfully to the commissioner, not sure how long the commissioner wants to do it, but let's say in five years they decide to hang it up. How do they decide who the next commissioner is? Is that strictly the mayor or is that a fire department situation? It's strictly the mayor, but the mayor bases it on qualifications, uh, knowledge, and and leadership abilities. Okay. Would you so so you kind of said you wouldn't want that position, but I think you know I think that's is that the standard issue answer or is that for real? 
that's for real, man. I'll probably go into acting or something, man. I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. I mean, Detroit is the next uh, Hollywood. Right. And, right. And the people you know, man, like, you know everybody. <laughs> yes. My, my, I'm sorry, I'm just reading Tanya Trotter. My dad was a Detroit firefighter, J Justin Borum, and he would teach me drills on how to get out of a burning house, how to put flour on a grease stove fire instead of water. She's proud of you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. We never had any drills in our house. We never had any 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 discussion about fire at all. But I bet you did some CPR. Well, my mother was a nurse. And I'm a nurse. So, you know, at work, yeah, it was nothing that, you know, I never at home had to do CPR, knock on wood, and hopefully never will I have to. But even still, like, that was never. No tourniquets. Y'all ain't, y'all, you and mom ain't never raced to see who can put the tourniquet on the fast. None of no, that. No, no. My mother was just, first off, my mother was a better, a way better nurse than me. Okay. So I was not about to, you know, like, I just prayed that I lived up to her standards. You're not even going to step in the arena with her, right? No, She's I'm not. Goat, right? No, yeah, my mom's was the GOAT, so yeah, I'm not. But is, it, is that problematic for you, especially amongst black folks, is that we look at fires as a not-us situation and, are yes. and, and don't prepare? It's not just race. It's, uh, it's not race. It's white, black, Asian, Hispanic. I mean, average person doesn't have a fire in their lifetime, so they take it for granted. That's why when they watching the game and they take the remote control, they remote control dies, they take the battery out of the smoke detector and put it in a remote so they can finish watching the Lions whip on some people. Because we take it for granted. Oh, it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. Until it happens, then you're like, oh, man, what do I do? So I'm not going to say it's a racial thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to say it's just a, a people thing. Okay. Now, once you've had a fire... Or even your neighbor or the person across the street has a fire, now you prepare. Now you're looking at it different because you're like, man, that I ain't no me. fire could grow that quite quick. I didn't yeah. know it got that hot. I didn't know it could damage like that fast. So yeah, now you got it. Now it's on your radar. But the average person, no, they don't think about fire. They take it for granted. Okay, what's the dumbest fire you've had to fight? Like the the, the dumbest cause of the fire. Ooh. Uh, a young couple smoking weed and they 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 left the blunt on the couch and they went to another room and they was arguing. I don't know what they was beefing over. It was something real petty, but they was beefing, left the blunt on the couch and it was one of them old school like crushed velvet couches and that boy was like, woo. So that's probably the stupidest fire I've ever seen. First off, they must not have really been weed heads. Who leaves the blunt? I don't argue. know about that. I, I ain't gonna get off of that, but maybe that argument was serious. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. So they actually told you this though. Yeah, they was young, man. They probably 19, 20. No. They was young. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't begrudge them too much. I did dumb shit when I was 19. Yeah, 19, 20, that's when you're supposed to do your dumbest stuff, but not a fire. Who um how do you you know, like when there's a fire and arson is suspected? Is it the fight? Like, first of all, a couple questions. Who actually does the in, the, the 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 investigation? For one, and, and two. No, no, no. Matter of fact, go ahead and answer that one, and I I hit you with the follow up. No, that's a great question. We have an investigative unit. Our investigator, our fire investigators. It's a whole division. That's all they do. 
So shout out to Chief Rich. That's the chief of the arson. I mean, our investigating unit. Um, they're dual roles, so they get sworn as police officers, so they can investigate. And they carry firearms and everything, but they're also sworn firefighters. So they're the only division where you are actual firefighter and a police officer with the Detroit Fire Department, Detroit Police Department, and they investigate any suspicious fires in the city of Detroit. Yo, that just answered my next question. Okay, so you on the scene, y'all fight the fire. At what point do y'all say, okay, I think this was this was intentional? What makes what gives you that? Sometimes, man, somebody would be brutally honest, man. Sometimes the mama come up, you'll see the mama smacking the heck out of her son. Like, I told you to quit playing with fire. This is your third time setting the fire. You like, oh, Brody over there playing with fire and lighters. See, mama over there strangling him. So he started the fire. Sometimes you'll have a neighbor. Like, man, old girl and old boy, they be arguing every night, man. He came over here and firebombed their house. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's been drug activity. Like, okay, they over here, they done opened up a trap spot on this block. They're not supposed to be over here. Somebody came over, firebombing. And then sometime every blue moon, you see a suspicious joker. They don't want to set the fire, but then they'll try to stand amongst the audience and act like they surprised. But they got that little twitch, that little glow in their eye, and they looking too excited like they watching a movie. Like they watching the per color purple or something. You like, hold on, my man don't look right. The old girl don't look right. She might have something to do with this. A lot of times. A lot of times, the investigative unit really got their homework cut out for them. They mm -hmm. really got to do some deep digging. Okay, so you see that guy or that 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 lady in, in the crowd. How do y'all discreetly discuss that without them knowing that y'all discussing them? We do the LeBron. Like, LeBron pull his jersey up and be talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, don't look now, but I think old boy over there to the left in the, uh, in, in the, in the Avrax leather jacket, I think he the one that started the fire. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't make eye contact. You kind of discreetly do it. How heavy is the, is the uniform? Everything you got to put on? How much How much we talking? Tank, gear, helmet, everything about 75, 80 pounds. Oh shit! Hell no! You can do it, bro. No, I can't. No, no. Maybe, maybe thirty years ago, yeah. But at this point now, like I, I can't see how somebody forty, fifty years old is still doing it. Man, I'm sure you're probably still in the gym. I seen you look good, man. You can put that gear on. I'm gonna have you come up to the firehouse, and put the gear on, get some video footage of it. Yeah, whatever. If y'all not hold me up, you're going to see me also getting carried out by the squad. Oh, no. We got you. We got you. <laughs> so are you in a certain area or are you for the whole city? The whole city, man. From from Kelly Road to Telegraph, from the river to 8 Mile. Yo. So did you have to do like special training for, for, for you know, communication classes or something like that? Yes, I, I, I did some before I got on the fire department, but throughout the years I have definitely, and I'm still studying. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to uh, just better myself and just learn the craft. You got kids? I do. What do they think? It's crazy, man. That's all they know. That's the only life they know. I ain't, I've, I've done side jobs and things like that, but they just know daddy is a firefighter, so they don't trip. I, I'm going to a fire. They'd be like... Bring me back some hot Cheetos and a Tahitian treat. You know, they ain't tripping. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to somebody else be like, 
oh my God, he's going to a fire. They'd be like, you see, when you get, they actually take it for granted that I'm coming back home. Okay. Not thinking, yeah, this job is not promised that you come back home. So it, it's kind of cool in a way. Okay. It's got to be difficult for relationships, though. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, ooh. Yeah, I think so to a certain degree. Because I know cops have have a very high divorce rate. Um. Same thing with firefighters, or no? I do know some firefighters who have been divorced, but then I know some firefighters been through it, been thick and thin, having a thirtieth wedding anniversary and all that. I've been to some wedding anniversary parties. So it's tough. It depends. You know what I mean? Nowadays, everybody get divorced. You know what I mean? But there's an added stress. Like that, Like most people, you, you're an accountant, you, your family, you know, your wife. Because your kids, they, like you said, they, that's all they know. But right. your wife is, is consciously, subconsciously is aware that every day could be the last day she sees you. That's a whole different stress. Mm, yeah, I guess it is. But I never got that when I was in a relationship. I got it more from my mom. You know what I mean? My mom used to trip out. My dad would even trip out a little bit. But um, I don't know. You know what I mean? I guess it's on the individual person. What did Pops used to say? I You couldn't pay me to go on a burning building. Something wrong with you, son. And was he a cop? Cop. Kicking in doors. Waving the four for all that. Just been through it in the 70s and 80s when Detroit was real. When crime was real out here, he was in the thick of uh, working homicide, all type of stuff. So, yeah, and I'm like, I'm not kicking in the door, raiding nobody's house. I ain't chasing no killer. I'm going to chase this fire. So we just got different views of life. But he yeah. was like, yeah, I don't know what's up with you, son. You crazy. I would never run in the burner build. Ever. I think the fire is less, you know, the fire is not intended for you. No. Somebody but shooting don't at have no you. Name. It's not yeah. racist. Yeah, but you know somebody I mean? shooting at you is somebody trying to do you in. For sure. I'm cool on that. I don't want to get yeah. shot at. I, I've been shot at before. It's not a good look. Not a good look. Yeah. What, what, side of, what part of the West Side you grew up on? Well, I, I moved. So from birth to 12, I grew up on Livernois and, and Davidson, Livernois Ewald Circle over there. And then um, my mom and dad, my family, they worked hard, man, moved on up like the Jeffersons. And we moved over on Auto Drive and Schaefer, man. And um, I grew up there from the age of 12 to 18. So I, I still kick it over in both neighborhoods. They still my brothers and sisters. They still my family. But I, I'm a true blue West Sider. Yo, I don't think, like, Livernois and Ewok Circle is, like, Ewok Circle is basically Auto Drive for Livernois. No, you're talking about Oakman. Is that Oakman? That's okay. Oakman. Are you yeah. sure? Huh? Okay. Yeah, I guess Oakland you got the big cribs. Oakland got the big old many mansions and mansions over there. I oh, always wanted to live on Oakland. Oh man, I always wanted to live in uh uh, uh Sherwood Forest. For sure, no doubt. Yeah. Yo, uh, it, oh, that's another story. I ain't gonna say that. I get in trouble. If I say that <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Sherwood <laughs> Sherwood Forest or Indian Village. Like that's if I get some bread, yeah, Indian Village. If I get some bread, I'm moving there for sure. Yeah, and 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 you then you get the little breaks government wise for fixing up your crib. Although some things you can't you can't like do certain shit to the house. I don't like that. Yeah, because it's a historical landmark and you yeah, can't, yeah, for sure. What, what what's the best thing about Detroit in the last decade? Like matter of fact, Stephen A. is like people. Detroit hates him right now. Right, I saw that. I always hated Stephen A. So it's nothing new. But 
what's the best thing you've seen about the rebirth of Detroit in the last decade? The people, man, the, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, man. And, and, and people want to talk about violence. You got violence everywhere, especially in a bigger urban city. So we do have violence. Thanks. But just look, man, the spirit of Detroit right now, man. You speak, see people that never spoke to each other, would never speak to each other in life, walking in a liquor store, walking in a grocery store, go Lions, handshaking, fist bumping, high-fiving, everything. The spirit of Detroit, man, is the people. I don't care about the buildings. I don't care about the restaurants. I don't care about nothing, man. Detroit is Detroit because of the people, man. We got some of the best people, and you use words like grit, tenacity, blue-collar, tough, resilient. We gonna make it, man. It's the people. So that's the best thing I've seen in the last 10 years about Detroit. Innovative. Okay, we not gonna work in the plant, but we can do this on YouTube. We gonna make it. We gonna find a way. We hustlers, and I mean legal hustlers. Man, that's one thing uh, I always love about being from Detroit is is the the gamut of what you see amongst black people. Like, they only gonna show you a certain side of Detroit to, to, to the rest of the world to, to fulfill the narrative. But like even when you get in trouble, you go you go down to 36 district, your judges your judge looks like you. That's right. Your prosecutor looks like you. Yes. Your lawyer looks like you. Yes. Everybody in there looks like you. And that just gives you a fair shot. It does. And we take oftentimes we take it for granted. Yeah. Until you move do. somewhere else. And then and you know what they tell you when you move somewhere else, you arrogant. Yeah. You you in Omaha like hey what part of the game is this like what? yeah dang yeah you you not responding to the other side the way the people that grew up there is responding no. because you not you not used to that day not used to it it's not your fault it's all you know only life oh. you know oh my god man um if people want to get in touch with you like, uh, how do they go about doing that man hit me up on Instagram I'm Chief Harris on Instagram uh, you can also um just man I'm man you know the best way to get in touch with me. When you see me approach me, I'm very approachable, man. I'm not arrogant. I ain't have no bodyguards. I'm very approachable. But the best way to hit me up, hit me up on Instagram. I'm always open. I come speak to you. Come speak to your school, your church, your parent group, your community group, whatever you need. I'm all about Detroit and Detroit being fire safe. Yo, and I'd be remiss if I did not shout out Mikey and the Cambria for putting together a dope-ass event where they just brought a whole bunch of people oh, together. Oh, for sure. Shout out to my man Mikey X9, man. That's my guy, for sure. Like a brother from another brother. He a little more light-skinned than me, but that's my guy. Man, Mikey knows the whole fucking planet. The planet. Not the man, city. The not planet. the planet. Not the planet. Global. <laughs> man. You go overseas. You love my man Mikey? Mike, be like, oh, yeah. Hit my man up. Here's old girl number. Call her when you get there. That's Mikey. Yo. And, and get you the shirt off his back. That's Mike. Yo, like he's done. He's he's looked out for me extremely. And I'm like, dude, you know, like I I I'm one of those people. I always feel I I I want to pay people back because in my mind I never want to owe somebody. Right. He's like, dude, like I I don't want shit. And I can't. Sometimes I can't conceptualize people just not wanting shit for doing something for you. But but the way you pay a guy like that back. Is you pay it forward, man. You bring the next person along. You introduce the next person to the next person, like you're doing with this podcast, man. This is so dope. I I'm just honored to be on here, man. Uh, this is this is what it's about. This is what oh, life man. is about. I'm just an old fat nigga in my basement to talk to a lot of people. 
No, nah, man, you're a gifted, talented brother with, with a skill set like no other, man. Keep growing. <laughs> well, I, I take that, man. I appreciate that, man. Um, and I know I'm not gonna hold you up too long. I know you got shit to do, man. Um, you, you know, you got buildings to save and and babies to kiss. Uh, hopefully but, not. I don't mind kissing the baby, but hopefully we we'll have no more buildings. In a perfect world, we'd never have another fire in Detroit ever. Well, you wouldn't have a job there, bro. I find something to do. <laughs> That's a true Detroiter right there. <laughs> We're, we're teach, has only CPR. We're teach you how to use a fire extinguisher. We'll teach you something. Yes. Are firefproof houses coming? No. So we really wouldn't have a job. Okay. Think about that, man. It's so many chemicals. A hundred years ago, all the houses were built out of what? Wood. Wood. Brick. That's it. Now, man, everything in your house, from your blinds to your cabinets to your paint to your floor. Everything is some synthetic chemical, man. That's why yeah. the fires happen so much faster and they're so much hotter because it's not basically just wood and, and brick like it used to be. So yeah. there'll never probably be a, a fireproof house. And, and to be quite honest, I think it would not be cost effective enough for them to even try. Nah. They don't Who can afford that? Yeah. yeah. Um, on that note, man, I'm gonna let you go, man. I, this has been an honor, bro. If there's, I don't think there's anything I can do for you, but if there is, bro, please let me know, and I got you. You can. I'm gonna let you know, man. Just pass the word. Tell everybody to get a smoke alarm in their house. If you're a Detroit resident, hit us up at City Detroit Fire Department on Facebook or email us at communityrelations at DetroitMI.gov. Get you your two free smoke alarms if you live in the D. Just hey, Chief Harris loves you. The City Detroit Fire Department loves you. We want everybody to be safe. Thank oh, you. wait a minute. Hold on. One more thing. If if I, I there's a young man out there, young woman out there that wants to be a fireman, firewoman, um, how do they go about applying? Same email address. Okay. Community relations at DetroitMI.gov. Young men, young women, we need you. Come on down. Come join the mob. Yeah, go do that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is a, an honorable profession and a hell of a way to earn a living. And the world will thank you. You'll be a better person for it. Thank you. I'm charge y'all for that one. All right, <laughs> All right man. Have God a good bless one. You, bro. God bless you too. All right. Yo, uh that, that, was, that was definitely dope, man. And, and and another thank you goes out to the Detroit firemen and women. Um, shout out to uh Chief. Uh, that was pretty dope. I've never actually had a whole conversation. Well, actually, it's my second time because we talked a little bit at the Cambria, but yo, I, you know, um, this is that was a beautiful conversation, man. I learned a lot of shit, and I'm gonna make some changes in my own damn household. Uh, yeah, the space heater shit, man. I do that shit all the time. Ooh, I'm sitting here like, damn, I'm, I'm fucking up bad. Um, yo, and shout out to everybody that tuned in. Please make sure that you like the the YouTube channel, Intellectually Petty Radio. Subscribe and share the, the uh, interview. I'll be throwing some clips out there when you see them. Make sure that you share it. Blah, say, blah, 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 blah. Y'all already know the drill. Um, I'll be back tomorrow uh, at five o'clock. Who we got tomorrow at five o'clock? Oh, we got Skrill. Um, James Eberhardt coming on. Um, owner of Motu. Vignet, I hope I'm saying that correctly. And then we got uh, Trey DaVinci, uh, a rapper out of uh, Memphis, tomorrow at 7 o'clock. So y'all already know, man, how we get down over here. It's, it's it's what you do to get you, you know, your profession or whatever you do gets you on the on the station. But it's, it's, it's your story that makes you stand out, man. On that note, I'm out. This has been Jobs, your host, Intellectually Petty Radio. Y'all have a good evening. <laughs>